They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. episode of the Juan on Juan podcast. I'm your host Juan. Today we are joined again by Luke Williamson and today's episode went pretty deep. Probably one of my favorite episodes to date. We really dove into the different uh, aspects of ayahuasca ceremonies and you know, what's attributed to that and how that experience was for Luke on his many ayahuasca experiences. He talks about some of the trips that he went on while on ayahuasca and while on different types of DMT and different types of psychedelics and what that was like for him and what he learned from that. And this episode, he told me some stuff that I wasn't even prepared for. And I was like, what? It just really, really blew my mind. And uh, we also go into some experiences in his life as well that he's had. Uh, but but yeah, we talk about DMT entities and the things you can see on these psychedelics, which is crazy, crazy heavy stuff. So without further ado, this is DMT Entities, Psychedelic Journeys and Other Dimensions with Luke Williamson. We'll get into your story of uh, you had a kidnapping store in Egypt. What, what was that about? <laughs> Did get kidnapped in Egypt, and uh, were you a grown ass man or were you a kid? No, I was a kid, and I, I, I talked last time very briefly about uh, the first time I went to Egypt. I was six, and my mom was uh, was making a movie there, so we got to go over and and spend some time there. And I think actually in, in the first, I was listening back to make sure I didn't screw up anything too badly, and and I think I said we were there for six months, but we we're actually there for six weeks. So I think that was mm. the big mistake I made last time. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So we were there for six weeks, and it was a really life-changing experience. Uh, and uh, my mom was a great mom, but she, she was pretty free. Like I, I, I was sort of trusted to, you know, 
run my own show a little bit and she was really busy. But anyway, um, there were people who were sp- – I had an au pair who was supposed to look after me, but I, I think she was kind of having a thing with the first assistant director, and she wasn't entire. She was like 18. <laughs> you know, She was just having a great time. And uh, so I just sort of you know, did my own thing. And one day uh, this Egyptian gentleman said, oh, it's, you know, it's my turn to look after you today. And so I, you know, I was six. I was like, oh, okay. So we went to his house. Like I ate with his family. I played soccer you know, with like the local kids and stuff. And then like around six o'clock, this car full of uh, like stuntmen and grips from the movie uh, showed up and grabbed me and stuffed me in a car and, you know, drove me away. And it turned out that he wasn't, of course, supposed to look after me. He had become convinced that my my mother was the reincarnation of Nefertiti. What? He, he had to meet her. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is a standard Egyptian guy move. I don't know. But, uh, Who? What decided, goddess? That is that like a goddess or something? Yeah, Nefertiti was. She was a um, uh, Akhenaten's wife, and she is renowned as being one of the most uh, beautiful uh, women in Egyptian history. And Nefer itself means beautiful. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I spent the day with the guy. <laughs> I had no problems. It wasn't wasn't a bad day for me. But after that, like, there was a stunt guy who was like assigned to like watch over me for like the rest of the trip and whatever. So yeah, it was, it was actually, but you know, Egypt is in a lot of ways, it's really a very sweet place. It's kind of, um, I think it's very safe compared to a lot of other places. And, uh, we also had a, a taxi driver called Mahmoud who drove this old, I don't know what it was it made in the fifties. And he started with a screwdriver. He called it the Tutankhamun, uh, this car. And uh, it broke down in the desert one time. And we just had like the one bottle of water and he's out under the hood. And I'm like, man, we're not going to last long with one bottle of water. But it's great. You know, um, a lot of the Egyptians just are very welcoming. You know, they welcome you in. And I'm glad it hasn't been war torn. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Hitler rolled through there, no? Through Egypt? I think a lot of people have rolled through there. I think uh, I think it was really Mussolini. I think yeah. I think I think Somebody. Rommel. I think Rommel got sent to 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 help out the Italians because the Italians were terrible. I think they were just kind of losing across the board, and Hitler had to divert a lot of forces down in North Africa. But I don't know how much was going on in Egypt. I don't I don't really know. I do yeah. know that apparently uh, Napoleon uh, Bonaparte uh, he had his troops in Cairo, and because you know. It was that you know Muslim country. There's no alcohol, so after a couple of weeks, his troops discovered hash, and they were all like so stoned, <laughs> high as fuck, that, high as fuck, that they wouldn't listen to any uh, you know orders or anything, and and you know, they're all just becoming hippies. And it's the point like was going stuff. insane. So he had a bunch of alcohol shipped in, and forbade them to smoke hash, and they just all instead of just being stoned, now they were drunk and stoned. <laughs> They didn't want to stop somewhere. It's a, it's a funny story. Apparently quite true. It's like the stuff that have, have you ever heard of Mad Honey? Oh, that's that's the the stuff they make with the 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 bees on um, like either herb or kratom or something where they take from the yeah. So it's so I got some. It's from Nepal, and uh, it's these bees that they pollinate this toxic flower, and when they come back to make the the honey, that toxin is I forgot the name of it within the the honey itself. So they harvest it when these flowers are blooming, you know, during the season. And the 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 honey, it's a toxin, but 
it's got hallucinogenic effects and stuff like that and they call it mad honey and there there was some stories like that where these invading armies or whatever they would roll through and they would start eating the honey and it's it's delicious i haven't tried it but it's delicious so they're (laughs) like the end of the invasion yeah so they start eating it and they eat so much that actually it would make them sick and like paralyze them because like apparently it just like messes you up you're only supposed to take like one teaspoon every 48 hours or some crazy shit and so yeah it's really strong and so they would that that would happen to them they would just that would be it they would get slaughtered because they'd be so stoned or whatever (laughs) that's really funny yeah so yeah that's incredible and then obviously we we talked uh, last time you you were on we talked about what we want i wanted to talk about that today too because you're you're wanting to do some research as far as we talked about your dmt trip and entities and I've been recently looking up, obviously, you know, I talk about theology and stuff on here. Yesterday I had a guy on and we talked about angelology, demonology, the book of Enoch and stuff like that. And, you know, I've been looking more and more into psychedelics and people are saying how, again, and this is depending on what your belief is to begin with. Usually that'll paint the picture of what you, you can imagine and where your imagination can go to a certain extent. So there's people saying that when you do psychedelics, because obviously the Egyptians and a lot of these ancient cultures use psychedelics on a regular yeah. basis for ceremonial purposes. And it's funny because I, I just seen a, a meme before I came on. It was that change my mind meme. And then I had Photoshop Jesus's face on the guy's face. And it said the Bible is the the Bible is only the first documented psychedelic trips or something like that. Changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's like a supposedly a mushroom cult. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, then obviously you have uh, John Marco Allegro that talks about how Jesus could have been a, a mushroom, and and it's just you know this Christian myth, whatever. Uh, well, you can look at this. There's a lot of talk now about how Moses experienced, you know, with the burning bush. Like, yeah, with the acacia. Yeah, it's high in DMT. It's a DMT. It sounds like a DMT high to me. It sounds like a DMT well, experience. Yeah, again, and I mean, I you've had your experiences with these with these entities, but then you know people say that they can be demonic or or whatever. But then you know I've, the people I've spoken to, yes, there are the demonic feeling type entities that they encounter in this other realm, whatever it may be. And then obviously you have the the nice ones, you know, the the malevolent, the benevolent. You also shouldn't be. Uh... You shouldn't buy too much into how they look either because I've seen uh, a couple of truly terrifying looking entities who were not terrifying at all. Like their their aspect was frightening to us, but they actually had uh, had very good – you know, there actually there's one – he's the – what's his – I think his name is Barong. He's like the, the lord of the spirits in the host of good or something like this. It's like Indonesian um, – uh, mythology mythology yeah and i was not aware of, of barong maybe it's batong barong something like that and i was in an ayahuasca session and i was like in a in a bubble and this head poked in and it looked i don't know if you've ever seen like a like been in a butcher shop and you've seen like the head of a sheep like yeah. in in the display case that has like been defleshed so it's like all that white bone with just like a little bit of red flesh here and there and the eyes are yeah. still in and this is apart from like the big tusks in the side of his mouth and stuff. That is the appearance that this like when you see it carved in wood that I've seen later, it doesn't look as 
uh, you know, like dead animal headish as it like did when I actually saw the thing. But it poked its head into the sphere, and it looked terrifying. But I wasn't frightened at all, and it just sort of looked around, looked at me, and then it just like the head pulled back out of the space. And it, like, oh there was God. there was not a bad feeling at all. Like I wasn't like my heart rate didn't raise at all. And then it, it took me like two years to actually see that face again somewhere. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the thing. And, you know, Lord of the hosts of, of good. I'm like, yeah, OK. So the good vibes coming off that was. Uh, you know. Yeah. And we, we talked about DMT and psychedelics last uh, episode. And, and obviously you mentioned your ayahuasca. I didn't really ask you. Obviously, we talked about the purging and how they would have these certain songs that would make everybody yeah. purge. Because depending on who it was, the plants were telling them different songs, so the they cleaning. each change. Yeah, the so, cool. yeah, can you talk about what it is to to be on ayahuasca? Like your experience as far as you know, because obviously that's you know, well, DMT smoking it is fifteen it is, twenty minutes. It's eight hours. Six so to eight basically, hours. to break it down. Uh, for those who don't know anything about it, without boring people who do know stuff about it, uh, the ayahuasca vine has very small amounts of DMT in it, really, really minute amounts of DMT, but it has that MAO inhibitor in it. So when you combine it with specific other plants that have a high DMT uh, content, it allows those admixtures, as they're called, to uh, cross the, the blood-brain barrier and you know, and then you feel the effects. And so ayahuasca is really the great enabler. It, you know, it's the umbrella that, you know, will hold these other uh, plant medicines. Um, and many tribes use different, depending, depending on, on where they at, where, you know, where the region. Uh, in, you know, Peru, it's primarily chacruna is the plant that's used. And uh, the place I was at, um, we, we had three things in addition to the ayahuasca that went in there. Um, one was wambisa, uh, one was chacruna, and the other was something called oheyage. And like the shaman there was like, this is, you know, people, because one of the names for ayahuasca is yage, one of the, but this is oheyage. But I've had other people, no, no, that's ayahuasca. I'm like, okay, you know, argue with my shaman. So anyway, <laughs> those are the, those are the things that, that go in there. And then it's very different from smoking DMT or if you, if you do the correct dosage of, of smoked DMT, you, you leave your body, you're, you're out. And it, you know, there's a couple different kinds of DMT and the toad, the bufo is the five MEO and it's got an extra, you know, compound in it. Um, that's, you've never tried that one, right? Yes. I have done the toad, um, uh, maybe 12 or 13 times, whereas I've only <laughs> done the NN DMT once. Yeah, you said you tried the other one one time. You tried yeah. the toad 13 times, the other yeah, one just one time. Toad is like, you know, 12 or 13 times probably. Um, and then the NN just once. But NNDMT is, I mean, it's so active and you're so there. And like I was saying last time, there's usually entities. Uh, they're aware of you. They want to interact with you. There's really interesting stuff going on. Um, and... But if you if you do the dose correctly, which is usually like three lungfuls, um, you leave your body. You're no longer you're somewhere else and you're not in your body at all. Uh, I didn't quite hit that point with the NNDMT. I was still in my body uh, in that one experience I had, even though I experienced all that interesting stuff. Um, however, with the NNDMT, like 
I don't remain in my body, but I don't there. It's non-dual. You are the only entity. You are every entity. You are everything. You are nothing. And it's beautiful. It's really Whoa. it's ter- it's terrifying <laughs> until you get to that point. And then it's the most beautiful experience you've ever had. And it's um, it's total release. It's total release of all that stress and pressure and tension. And for me, that's what it's been every time since my breakthrough. It's just been complete, total release. I just I white out a lot. Uh, I just evaporate and, uh, you know, become become nothing and everything. And what's really interesting is that. Even now, explaining to you, I don't adequately understand what the experience feels like until you're back in it, experiencing it. You can't, no words could ever explain it. I mean, I could sit here all day and then, and you'd be like, I have a pretty good idea of what this is going to be. And then you would experience it and you'd be like, there's nothing that could prepare me for that. Nothing. Yeah. That's, that's what's scary about it too. It is. I mean, it was absolute because it took me, I think I smoked four times before I broke through, before I left my body. And I was like being pressed against, you know, the source against Like it was very uncomfortable. Like I really didn't like it. I felt miserable. It was a horrible experience. And then I broke through and it was just, everything was worth it for that. Uh, and that has helped me as far as like depression and understanding of like the human condition. I think Toad has helped me more than anything else I've ever done in my life. But I think everything else kind of set the table for it, uh, sort of prepared me for it, got me to that point. And I am going to go down uh, in May to Peru and and do another set of ayahuasca sessions because it's been three years now. Wow, and, that's, uh, that's something. Um, so it's it's very different because you're with ayahuasca, with the DMTs, you tend to leave your body when you smoke. If you if you do it right, mm-hmm. you will leave your body. You won't be aware of your body. And in the NNDMT, you'll be aware of all this other stuff, but not your body. And um, with ayahuasca, you're very much in your body, dealing with your body, uh, cleaning your body, your body. The first, you know, don't I would recommend not just going for one ayahuasca session. I'm going to go to ayahuasca because very often the first one or two sessions, even maybe three sessions are just cleaning, cleaning your body out, preparing you to be at the place where the medicine's really going to affect you. And you know, really? then that's when you start getting. Uh, you know, the uh, the teachings. For me, that's how it worked. It wasn't until the third, the first two were, were pretty horrific, and then the third and fourth were just beautiful. But just like throwing up and just diarrhea, just... Yeah, I mean, it's... by horrible? You know, I mean, sometimes you, you have, uh, you know, diarrhea. A lot of people worry about that. Um, you know, and and it, it's, it's never pleasant when you're inebriated in some way to have to deal with, uh, with that, but you know, it's it's part of the deal. And once your body cleans out a little bit, then that stuff uh, tends tends to lessen. I very much by like the third session, like my purges become like spit offerings. Like I have my bowl and they play the cleaning hikaro, <laughs> and I'm not really vomiting. I'm just it's a little bit of spit, you know, goes in goes in the bucket. It's rough. Look, a lot of people fixate on on uh, you know the vomiting or or the purging, but it's a really good thing for your body to actually go through that. I don't know, man. I hate it, Luke. Uh... (laughs) I don't like it. Uh, In fact, to be honest, I don't really like uh, either the ayahuasca or the DMT experiences while I'm having. There's something innately disconcerting about that space when you're in it. Um, And you think of all the visual stuff and you're like, gosh, this is amazing. And you see you know, representations of the visuals and you're like, gosh, I really want that. And gosh, how amazing would it be to see all this stuff? But when you're in that space, 
and you're experiencing it, how your body is feeling and where you are like inside the vessel. And it's almost like you're kind of being shoehorned out a little bit. And it's, it's really, it's a very odd feeling and it can be frightening and disconcerting for people. It's, it's an odd space. And I, I tend to not enjoy it very much when I'm in it, but afterwards, like I, I get a lot of benefit from it. So it's more of like a, like a body type thing. You still see the the, there's the a lot fractals more, and stuff. There's a lot more body. And what any shaman, you know, worth his salt will tell you is that it's not about the visuals. You know, you're there, the visuals are cool, and sometimes you see really interesting stuff, and sometimes it's it's pertinent and important. But really, uh, and the other thing the shamans will usually tell you is that, you know, the medicine actually isn't in the cup. The medicine's in you. The ayahuasca is going to help you get to the point where you can approach you know, those issues that you're, you have, and you can like start working on that. It's just really, it's like the starting the process inside, inside you. And, um, now some places do add things. There's a, there's a plant called toe and some places add toe because it, it gives incredible visuals and they think that's what, and, and a lot of people, they think that's what the gringos come for. Sometimes they come for the, the really <laughs> incredible, they want to see the trippy shit, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, they want to go to a Pink Floyd concert in their head. And, um, and so they'll put Toei or something else in it. And you end up sometimes having, uh, people having really adverse reactions. This, I think it's scopolamine, which is in Toei, which can cause the heart to stop, can cause breathing problems. Most wow. of like the ayahuasca, the chacruna, you know, the wombi, that stuff is not going to do any of that to you. You just have to, you know, be able to hold your, your space. Um, but there are other admixtures that will make stuff really incredible um, that can cause some, some issues. So I, I, on the other hand, like you're probably going to end up seeing some incredible stuff anyway. And I think I was talking last time, you know, Icaros, their songs, but you can see sound, um, you know, when, when you're, you're on in, the when you're in the when you're in the right state for it. And there wow. are definitely shamans that compete as to who has the best looking, you know, songs. And, you know, just take a minute to appreciate that because that's that's pretty, pretty incredible. And uh Anyway, but you still um, see these entities as well on ayahuasca, right? I have seen I have seen entities. Um, the entity that I'm aware of most people uh, being in contact with during um, uh, ayahuasca sessions is uh, I've identified uh, as uh, something called a tumi, T-U-M-I. And if you look that up, you'll find a little, you know, a little guy with a with a pretty cool uh, headdress. Uh, and he's usually standing on what looks like um, the blade of a shovel. It's a little sort of semicircular blade. And uh, anthropologists and archaeologists have been telling us for years that these are the sacrificial blades they use to cut the hearts out of sacrifice victims. So I was always like, ooh, to me, like dirty. Like I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. And um, the first – Is that like first, a little de- – this is a, like a like a deity, right? Like a – they're they're spirits. They're, I believe they're yeah they're like spirit entities. And um, but that's not how archaeologists see them. Of course, this is just like a tool that was used to cut out hearts. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like a like a blade, like a shovel. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing they put on the top of it. And when I was in, uh, I saw like the headdress of one one night. But the next uh, day, I went to the the, the dining maloka, and one of the guys from our group was sitting there drawing. And so I sat down, I got some limonata and I was like, uh, what, you know, what are you drawing? And he's like, oh, I have this entity I saw last night. And, uh, and I said, oh, you know, really? 
And he said, yeah, um, can I can I see it? And he showed it to me. He hadn't he'd only drawn the top half. And I'm like, that's a Toomey. And he said, a, a what? And I'm like, that's a, that's a Toomey. And I'm like looking for like a picture of this thing. And I, he'd only drawn the top half. And I'm like, did was it standing on like, did it have like a semicircular? He goes, oh, yeah, no. He, he said it had the semicircular blade, but he was pushing it into my stomach. And it hurt, oh. but he, he was doing something in there. And I understood that it was really important that he was doing whatever he was doing in there, but it kind of hurt. And I was like, yeah, that's that's a Toomey. And then uh, I've had that happen two other times where people have described this thing and I've showed them a picture of a Toomey. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, it was this, it was this. And so I started asking indigenous people about the Toomey. And a lot of them, they refer to them as Dr. Sitas, like the little, the little doctors. And I think... You know, we've we've identified them as a sacrificial object, and really these are like the spirit doctors that come and, and work on people in ayahuasca sessions. That's that's my theory. <laughs> that's so crazy. It's crazy, and it's like not even the stuff I've seen. I'm identifying what other people have seen, and they're they're absolutely 100% solid that that's what they saw. What other entities have you? Because I know you're researching that. Have you found that people have also seen? Uh, similar to this that you've seen that they've seen that you've been able to identify well a lot of people i haven't seen seen uh, them in this uh form as such but a lot of people see aliens and um, it actually has kind of made me think that perhaps aliens are not extraterrestrial but maybe extra dimensional in some way mm -hmm. um but a lot of people there is one and this girl she was quite amazing she came down this is my first ayahuasca experience and you know i had a background in mushrooms and, and lsd and i wasn't worried i mean i was i was i was still nervous i mean i knew i could handle my myself but there's always a little there's something new you know i'd had a dmt experience and i was like what is this going to be like and so i was nervous this girl had never even smoked a joint and somehow she had found herself like in the middle of the amazon <laughs> jungle about to drink ayahuasca. those gringos those gringos and, yeah and and so we had that that was four sessions we had there and after the third session she refused to do any more because she's, she's like every single session i'm on the mothership with the aliens and i don't know why and i don't want to be there and it's not like they're unpleasant but i don't understand like why i am with the aliens in their ship and it's like she sat out the fourth one she didn't want to go back like every every single one was about that there was another girl who was uh she was uh next to me in the maloka and I was hearing these really weird dripping sounds during the um, during the the session, and it turned out that she was speaking to aliens in their own language, and it was this drip, this drip language, and it was really she was telling me about it later, and I was like, my God, is that what that weird dripping like sound was that I was like, uh, and so there's been some. I also saw like in a session I saw like a a monkey type entity like squatting over a person in the Maloka, which is really weird. I've also been there where other people uh, have seen things what? that have terrified them and have like needed the shaman to come and try to clear, clear well, some what stuff. Did you but, say that before Luke, that you've seen people, what squatting over, like you've seen, I, them... I, I saw like a shadowy figure that looked like a, a monkey person, uh, kind of like a Hanuman or something that was uh, crouching over somebody just like rubbing their shoulder. And um, and what's really interesting with the DMT um, experience is it's it's very South American and it's very Indian. A lot of Indian stuff 
creeps into like I mean Asian Indian creeps into the DMT zone and so I think there's a real connection between the in that other place between the South American ancient cultures and the Indian uh, cultures and when you start looking you know through you know all the Indian histories uh, you know the Upanishads and uh, the Vedas and Mahabharata and all this kind of stuff it's absolutely filled with you know large blue entities <laughs> you know yeah. it's uh, Shiva Vishnu and so is Egypt I mean Ptah was blue there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on that until you know you're in that place and you see that you don't make that connection I also made a connection very early on with DMT with the Mayan and Aztec art style it always looked really cartoony and weird like I'm like that is so weird that doesn't look like and then I took DMT and I was like, oh. Have you seen oh. those those buildings over, I think it's over in the Middle East, though the ceilings, I forgot the name of it. And uh, they're you know all just like, like, yeah, it's all like that sort of multicolored uh, fractal. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It looks so trippy. So are they getting, like, either they're getting there in the visionary state uh, meditation or, you know, or there's something else they're using because that's the type of stuff you see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like like I told you last time, uh, I have friends who, you know, I have the Alex Gray poster up. Yeah. I have friends who won't touch it, won't won't go with the DMT because they're terrified of it. And then I have other friends who love it, and they're right. like, yeah, it's amazing. And it's like you said, some people just they get freaked out. And yeah, friends who who who, you know, you think it's really that other realm in that, that in that space, dimension. and they're terif- they're absolutely terrified of it, and they still do it, but they're terrified of it. The guy who introduced me to it um, had had a lot of experiences. And for him, he, like that day I told you about, like on the Hancock tour, um, he smoked after me and he had a terrifying experience. But I, I've i had very difficult experiences with ayahuasca where it's been hard, but I've never been terrified. And I I mean, knock on wood, but I, I tend to look at, I think I said this to you last time after we finished, I, I look at ayahuasca a lot, like... Um, it's a little bit like Empire Strikes Back when Luke goes to Degava. You know, okay, so you go really far away. Uh, you find this shaman who lives out in the middle of the jungle. With the, he's got serpents around his neck. He feeds <laughs> you like this foul-tasting stew. And then, you know, and he, he talks to you about things, you know, feeling the energy between all these things. And then, like, as you start to become aware of this, you find this this other place. And, you know, the cave and it's, you know, like, OK, so go in the cave. All right, Yoda was on some weapons. shit. Yeah. And Yoda's like, you don't need your weapons. And he's like, well, what's in there? And he's like, only what you take with you. And so he goes in there and he sees his greatest enemy and he kills his greatest enemy. And it's himself. Mm-hmm. And that to me, in a lot of ways, is what people experience in an ayahuasca, uh, you know, uh, experience. And. A lot of what you experience, I think most everything on these things, there's nothing that's in there that you're not taking in with you. And that's that's been my experience. I've never I've never found I um yeah, I, I think you know, don't be afraid of yourself. Go in, embrace the experience, surrender to it, and just try to relax as much as possible. And make sure you're doing it with right people. I mean there's there's a lot of you know, these Facebook groups, the Iowa, there's a lot of um, guys who spend a lot of time in that group trying to persuade you that the tradition's stupid, uh, be your own shaman, uh, don't have any structure to it, just make it at home, do this, do that. And 
you know, maybe for some people that's good, but I, I think for me, I find great, um, comfort and, uh, I feel really good in the traditional, uh, native setting. I feel protected. I feel, I feel comfortable. It feels exotic as well. And, uh, I feel really in the right place. I feel separated from all the shit that's worrying me. And, and so that's how, you know, I, I tried to do, I mean, I did do an ayahuasca session in the United States and it was, it was horrible. And I'm so glad that wasn't the only one or my first one. <laughs> you saw civil, civil war. <laughs> no, it was just, it was, um, you know, it was like a, a hippie drum circle. There was no respect for other people's space. People, you know, people brought their dogs, you know, they were smoking pot and eating and, and talking and coming over and rubbing other people and like, st- and I'm like, this is not like. You need to, you know, have your sacred space and prepare it and everybody respects, other, you know, yeah, man, I just, I had, a, if I could have gotten in my car and driven home, I would have. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's when people lose respect for it. Cause again, it's stuff given to us from nature and it should be, and we talked about this, I think after the show about recreational marijuana use, like, you know, there's a time and place for it, but if you go to a concert and you're tripping your balls off, you know, what are you getting out of that experience? Cause it's, it's used for that. It's used for expanding your consciousness. And uh, we can yeah, talk, think... push this into our next uh, topic, you know, of like these uh, being in like another realm, another dimension, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think that stuff, what you're just talking about, though, I think in a lot of ways, everybody has to start somewhere. And a lot of people that yeah. start, you know, they're young. And so it's it's something interesting. It's fun to do. And so, yeah, you'll go to a concert and eat some mushrooms. And then after a while, you know, you you, you're like, oh, actually, I want to go out in nature and eat. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, actually, you know, I kind of want to be by myself and have like this, you know, whatever it is. And then if you get there eventually, I think. You see Mother we're... Nature breathing <laughs> finally yeah. when you do that. And look around and, and see it. And what you had mentioned to me, I think, uh, I, you mentioned two things to me that I, when you texted me that I didn't know what the fuck they meant. And I wanted to ask you, you know, sure. being everything and being nothing simultaneously. Sure. Well, that's you know? a very, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very toad thing. And and what you find is really is that, that you know we live in this uh, world of like dual dichotomies where the opposites can be true at the same time. And it's a very, if you've ever seen like that diagram of like the the way the shadow casts on something it looks like a square from one side and a circle from the other and it's one people sees one person sees it as a square mm-hmm. and another person sees it. it's that sort of thing and and every time i come back from a from a toad experience i'm struck by like that seemingly um incompatible reality where opposites are true at the same time and and so that toad space that i was talking about earlier and um, you know, when you, you know, you have to take sort of these little sips, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, they generally will, you know, someone will light it for you and, uh, you just sort of take little sips, <laughs> sort of like the that toad DMT. until, until your, 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 uh, your lungs are full doing that. And then you just take one more and just hold it. And then, uh, it's very, very quick. It's just like. For me, it's like a, a white circle of sky just comes towards me of cloud, and then I'm just like I just disintegrate, like, and and 
I, I don't exist. And uh, in some way, I do exist. I'm everything. I'm the only thing. And everything is me. And and this is it's the same for like everything is you. This whole world, everything about this is just you. It's and and it's so hard to explain. There's no way you could possibly explain this, but it, it really is. I, I've just come to the conclusion this entire universe is one is one being. And you know, Ram Das used to say all the time, everything is safe. And I'm like, how can he mean everything is safe? You know, what happens if I get stabbed? But that's it is because you know, that's the experience you had, and then you died or you didn't die, and it hurt the body or it didn't hurt the body, and then like you're in this it's all safe. It's safe to die. Everything is safe. Like it's all part of the experience. It's it's meant to occur this way. We're meant to have these experiences and and it's beyond us to really understand. At a certain point, that's where the faith comes in because you just had to believe that this is what this experience is meant meant to be. But you know, I think we all really we you know we need the time and space to contemplate this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is going to ask. This is you're now you're going to ask me about what I meant about everything happening all at once, right? Now that I've yeah, said the, the time said, and space. <laughs> this is a quote. Time is probably a fucked up reactivated experience of all existence, which probably happened all at once. That was literally the text you sent me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's sort of like my feeling about it is that you'd ask me something and I'm like, well, I think it's because, you know, everything probably happened at once in just this one moment and this is like the after effect where we're all just because you i've seen you post that alan watts quote you know this is there is only the moment that's all you will ever yeah, experience exactly. is right yeah. now this is what you're experiencing for whatever i'm sorry you're listening to me why this is your entire moment right now and yeah. it, that's what it is and it's net you're never not in the moment yeah that's that's there is no uh, future. There is no past. It's all right now. There's another quote, and th and that's a very Gnostic view of things because the Gnostics believed that that when you got up to that higher realm, uh, you know everything is a reflection, the watery light. Everything is a reflection of itself. You have these angelic beings looking at you, and they're seeing themselves, and you're seeing yourself within those angelic beings because we're all divinity and we're all one, and <laughs> that. You know, when you really think about that, it's like it kind of makes your head hurt because it's like, oh, what? You know, and then there's a there's this quote, you know, speaking of Alan Watts. And again, this goes to what I'm what I'm saying uh, says, Jesus Christ knew he was God. So wake up and find out eventually who you really are in our culture. Of course, they'll say you're you're crazy and you're blasphemous and they'll either put you in jail or in a nut house, which is probably much the same thing. However, if you wake up in India and tell your friends and and relations, my goodness, I've just discovered that I'm God. They'll laugh and say, oh, congratulations, at least you found out. <laughs> yeah. Again, there's divinity within ourselves, and it's like you see the two, uh, you know, I had a, an episode about this, about how these cultures, you see different cultures, and the value, like the Indians, they see everything as a deity. Everything in nature is a God and there is a God for it. And, you know, they respect cows, but versus us over here, we slaughter cows and we kill them and we do all these cruel things to them. It's like that oneness with nature, you know, uh, it, it's lost over here. And I feel like, you know, these people down there, like in South America, how you're saying, you know, they're doing all these rituals and stuff like that or these ceremonies. And 
you know, you become one because we are everything. And when you look at a, a globe from the from outer space, the, you know, there are no, no lines on the map. You know, it, it's it's all there actually it, really are no boundaries. Uh, no, there's not. We put those there. You know, we we put we drew the lines on the map and it's like, you know, nature doesn't doesn't see that doesn't see the borders. Nature doesn't hate. You know, nature is nature, and it can seem cruel sometimes. But yeah. imagine if we weren't on the earth, and there was only animals. There wouldn't be evil. Why? Because evil is what we make it to be, and good and evil is what we define it to be. These constructs. You know, what is good and what is evil anyway? Uh, you know, because na- when nature is nature, you know, it's just na- obviously it can be cruel. It can be seem cruel, but survival of the fittest. You know. And I mean, sometimes animals are petty. For sure, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, no, I, I I you know I see what you mean, and and we are in a lot of ways I feel like we're 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 a consciousness experiment and see what happens is the consciousness inside uh, you know the material uh, that you, everything's made out of grows, and um, you know it may end up that this time around it's a failed experiment. I you know there's I think it's one of the things that religion struggled with a lot you know back in in the day was this. You know, they tried to assert that we weren't animals, um, that we were above animals, everything was here for us. But I think part of that came because they were really trying to find a way to separate ourselves from the base instincts of, you know, fighting, killing, uh, you know, all that sort of anger and rage and, uh, you know, stealing and all these things that, you know, aren't compatible with harmony. I think, you know, at some point they tried to, to find a way to separate ourselves with that. And there's really, you know, it's going to have to be some kind of evolutionary process. We can't just separate ourselves from that. Yeah. It's funny. You said that's a failed experiment, uh, because I was talking to somebody yesterday about, about, uh, you know, we're talking about the book of Enoch and when the watchers started to, uh, come down and insert themselves into the, daughters of men what they call them right. they started you know created they created the nephilim the elohim and and the giants and when they started to insert themselves they were just fucking everybody you know they were fucking sure. the women everybody they were fucking the animals and when they started to insert themselves into the animals they started bit, to create these bit like these... florida <laughs> yeah exactly the florida man so he started start creating all these abominations these chimeras and that's, you know, in, in mythology, that's when you see the minotaurs, the harpies, you know, you could even go as far as saying Bigfoot, that, you know, they're just descendants of the Nephilim. And when that happened, God, Yahweh, El, whoever you, whatever you want to call him, got angry, you know, because why? Because the watchers that were designed to watch over us and watch operations, they were intruding in the they're experiment to interfere yeah. you know they they were they were ruining the experiment and that's when you have him do the the flood and all that and wiped everybody out because you know this experiment he it got away from him you know and that, and that plays into are we in a simulation you know are we is dmt that thing have you seen the dome when you look up do you see the dome when i have DMT? i have seen um yeah that sort of uh dome with the with like the um like the alcove sections, like the out, almost hourglass, but not full hour, like half hourglass. Yeah, just uh, like sections. a dome. It's like you're and breaking it's out a dome of the simulation. It goes, goes all the way up, and 
the dome I was in had um, the Eye of Ra in all the alcoves, except it was in like a Nepalese, like Tibetan style. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's like you're 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 breaking out of the simulation, you know, for just one second and seeing outside of that. There's there's and, a lot of um, you know, like sometimes in like the computer world where there's like a green uh, framework to stuff where the like matrix you're, you're, yeah you're well not like but there's like a you're creating like tron, say, like, like tron well you like say you're creating like an, an object so you create like this green net that's just like lines that represent this object but it's like green yeah. and it's a you know tetrahedron or something like that mm-hmm. i mean i've seen like that net like in the ayahuasca space like ev- like those lines exist like around everything so you know some weird stuff what what do you think about that about us being in a simulation you know, like obviously you have these big physicists like you know you have elon musk uh, yeah, it's, it's, you have it's all these musky. other guys i don't know <laughs> um you know this it's funny i actually talked to to rack uh about that a while ago and he hates that uh, idea i think to put it kind of mildly I, i'm not i don't object to it i i don't really know in some ways it, it makes sense um you know in some ways i think that you know, existence, everything itself is just kind of a test run. It's just, or not even like a test run. It's just like, let's see what this is. Uh, I don't know whether I'd call it a simulation, but I, I don't know. It could entirely be a simulation that's being run for some other, you know, purpose. I mean, I, the possibilities really are, are endless. I, I'm a, I'm a fair believer that there's, you know, sort of like, um, it's quite possible there are all these sort of you know, alternate timelines. I don't see why that's not possible. I mean, all these things are quite, quite possible. It seems to me. Yeah, yeah, and I, I believe in that as well. That, and again, I, I, the reason I said the Matrix because I finished. I had never really watched the movies. You know, it's a, it's something that you turn on and you just have on in the background. I've never really watched them, and I binge watched all three of them this past weekend. Um, yeah, I haven't just seen to, you, you never seen it well it's it's no, a I've lot seen of him. i haven't seen him in like eight or nine years though oh yeah it's like uh it's a lot of symbolism in them you know and i just wanted to understand the symbolism but you have you know every it's very gnostic in a way christian you know christianity kind of thing you know you have the savior the one neo you know new and then you have the trinity and you have morpheus and then when you sit down and you google all the characters names you know their ship was named nebuchadnezzar Right. Um, you know, Morpheus, the 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 god of of dream and sleep, or something like that, and then Niobe. Uh, it, it just it, it I, I can't help but think of this. You know what we're in now. It's like he had to wake up either the red pill or the blue pill. Which one are you gonna choose? Imagine if imagine that if that was true. If you know we approached the singularity and machines took over. And they were just using us, you know, for power or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. Can you imagine that? Like, just, you know, waking up and being like, hey, dude, you know, I can break you out of here. And then finally breaking out and just It'd like... It'd be weird. But I have actually woken up uh, with my face, like, pressed into the grill in the corner of the room. Out of a out of a toad experience. <laughs> what? I mean, people what? tend to, people tend to move around. Uh, some some people don't. Um, 
I have a I have a very good friend. He's a lovely guy. He's a mestizo shaman from Peru, and he came uh, to California about a year and a half ago. And while he was here, my toad facilitator was also here. And I thought, oh, I'm going to introduce these two guys. Uh, and um, my shaman uh, Weira got to he'd never experienced uh, bufo before toad, so he got to have his first experience and. It, so interesting to him. He, he went again a second time. He broke through immediately. That guy is just so amazing. And But he didn't move. He lay down on that bed, and I was sitting there prepared, like if he you know moved a thread, because they, they don't know what they're doing. They're not in their body, so you have to you know, kind of look after people sometimes. And uh, really? he didn't move at all. But me, like I wake up in the corner of the room with my face pressed into the fire grate or something. And I've had this this talk actually with my facilitator because he's like, I think you're trying to move away from the medicine. I'm like, no, it's because my back is really bad. And when I'm in this when I'm in this state, and this happens to me with ayahuasca too. Generally, my first ayahuasca session, all my muscles contract and relax, contract and relax, contract because <laughs> it's releasing all that tension. And like I personally, when I'm in my body, I don't know how to do that. When I'm not in my body, my body knows how to do that. It'll take it'll get rid of all that tension while I'm not conscious like when it's in control but while i'm doing that i am literally like fishing around like on the floor i look like i'm having some kind of you know seizure or stroke but it's not that's not what's happening to me at all but i've so i've had like the first time i woke up with like my facilitator like holding my shoulders down and i was like okay don't just let me go next time because i'm okay just make sure like i don't roll into an actual fire yeah it's like the like what was that one drug where the dude uh fell out from the second story window uh, uh i think it was salvia or something like that yeah I, I you know a friend of mine years ago i think probably 10 or 12 years ago um was actually my roommate at the time or my my housemate he had gotten some salvia and he's like hey you know do you want to and i was like oh okay you know sort of interested and i watched his experience and he <laughs> he went first and he smoked the salvia on this little ottoman and like he like pushed he was like pushed himself into the ottoman he was fighting the ottoman and it was like it was kind of ugly and i was like you know i was like calling his name and he wasn't responding and then at a certain point after ugly. yeah after a couple of minutes uh five or ten minutes or something he just he stopped moving and then he stood up and he walked across the room and i'm like uh, i called his name he didn't answer me he went over to his dvds and he just started organizing his dvds and I'm, you know, let's pretend his name is Tim. I'm like, Tim, Tim, Tim. <laughs> like, there's nothing. He just sat there and like organized his DVDs. He had no idea I was there. He wasn't here. He wasn't present. And then like when he came back, he's like, why am I over here? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, man, that was great. Now your turn. He's like, your turn. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I think Joe Rogan tells a story about somebody he knew or somebody he knew that knew somebody that on a salvia trip they lived another life they lived probably maybe an entire life yeah an entire life he had a family had everything and then when he came back it's like you said combative and like disoriented and then i had another friend of mine who knew somebody who did a salvia trip he had another life while on the trip uh got addicted to heroin and Wow. came back and then apparently that guy like some years later got addicted to heroin like eventually and can you imagine that dude just like you know he's like i had yeah. kids i had a house I had a wife everything and and i'm back here again so it's like 
there are definitely things I'm not interested in. And salvia is one of them, and iboga is another one. Yeah, we talked about iboga last time, right? <laughs> I'm not, not interested in that experience. Like, I, if I got to a point where I felt like I really needed it and there were no other options, I would I would investigate iboga. But I, from what I understand, iboga is the best of all of the plant medicines for addiction. But having said that, I know people who have you know, drunk ayahuasca, you know, a couple of times and have never touched alcohol again. Um, I don't know how they've done with with heroin or, or not, but I'm sure there are success stories. But from what I've heard, iboga is really like the, the cure. But it's also probably going to be the worst 30 hours of your life. 30 hours? Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend of mine that I met in Peru at an ayahuasca. And he was one of the guys who was like, I think you should try Toad. He called me and recommended me because he knew what I was you know, going through. And if it hadn't been of him and a couple others from that group, I probably wouldn't have tried it. And it's helped me so much. But then like a month or two later, he went and did the Iboga thing. <laughs> and I was like, how was it? And he goes, oh, he said it was like, he's like, I'm glad I did it. But it was the worst 30 hours of my life. I was like, 30 hours. Man, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, that's that's because for those that don't know, I, I Iboga, Iboga is used for what? Contacting the dead. Yes, it's a very much like a, a crossing over. People experience like uh, paralysis a lot, like they can't uh, move or you know, sometimes for a really long time. I think uh, Graham Hancock, even in the book Supernatural, I think he has a description of his Iboga experience, which also sounded horrible. And I, I have a couple other friends who, who tried it. And like I haven't heard one person go, it was just so beautiful. Like I'm so happy. <laughs> like I've never heard anybody say anything like that about Iboga. It's always like, oh, my God. And, you know, I've had enough intense experiences with other stuff that I, I feel like I, I had one ayahuasca experience, one that was uh, I saw my death in about 40 different lifetimes, including this one. Wow. And it was a including really, this one, including this one. And it was a really long and hard night. And I'm really grateful that I went through it because, like, you know, obviously it was people have started to cotton on to like one of my issues is death, you know, dying death, this whole thing. What is it? And, um, and I really got that, I was never concerned about that until, you know, like watching my dad die and it was his concern. And then it became sort of my concern. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I had a number of, of very interesting deaths. I think the most interesting death I experienced was I was actually, um, cause I was male in some of these, I was female in some of these, in this, uh, experience, I was actually, uh, I was like a tribal queen. And I had somehow convinced everybody else in the tribe that I was like, you know, born of God. I was way better than all of them. You know, they were little mouth breathers looking after me. And I had someone to do everything for me. I didn't actually do anything. There was someone who fed me, cleaned yeah. me, you know, trimmed my my nails, all that stuff. Until the enemy came over the hill with, with the spears. And like, you know, the butt wiper was dead. The hair cutter was dead. Everybody else had run away. And <laughs> I, I couldn't even like lift a weapon. I couldn't do anything. I was completely useless. And I was, you know, uh, slaughtered. That was interesting. Um, and the, this is actually, on ayahuasca. This is ayahuasca, yeah. And I um, what the fuck? I saw uh, that was an interesting night. I confronted a, a large anaconda. Um, and uh, you know, my death in this lifetime, I died alone in a small hotel room in a foreign country. Uh, didn't seem to have, you know, I very much got the feeling I didn't have a pot to piss in. And uh, the message that I got from it was that um, it didn't matter at all. 
there was nothing important about that whatsoever. It was a bad, it was a real bad day for housekeeping. But it, like other than that, like there wasn't a ripple like in the pond. Like none of these things, none of these things really matter. Luke, that's fucking deep, dude. Yeah. Like, wow. But it was hard. It was almost, um, and I mean that in a, like a mentally physical way. Like it actually, the pressure on my head felt hard. And I, I was done at that point. I'm like, I'm not going to do any more ayahuasca. And I, I had a long discussion with the shaman. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you took too much and you'll be okay. I'm just going to cut you. And I'm like, no, I'm done. We, we're doing five sessions. And that was the third. And the first two had been hard. And the third was just so brutal. And everybody else was like, I saw Mother Ayahuasca and she held me. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, for fuck's sake. Anyway, um, it's just so brutal. And, uh, and so I sat the fourth one out. And then I was like, ah, you know, I should just do the fifth one. And the shaman, he said, uh, he said, I'm going to cut you down to a quarter cup. And immediately, you know, my ego started waving its dick around and was like a quarter cup. Like I might as well just sit in my room and read my book, you know? And I, but I was like, nah, just, just, you know, go drink your quarter cup, you pussy. And I, so I did, I went to the ceremony and drank that. And that quarter cup was like 10 hits of acid. Easy. I mean, it was so intense. And I was like, wow, I've been drinking four times that every time. Like, no mat, no wonder, like, I'm taking a battering. Like, I just have to, I really needed to dial myself in more on the dosage. And uh, the shaman at that time, he's dead now. And he just had a motorcycle accident and he was going through a really hard time himself. And he wasn't really dialing people in that he wasn't really quite with it like he had been prior to that. And uh, wow. I'm not criticizing him at all. Yeah, um, it's a very, very difficult job. In fact, the first time I went to Peru uh, to go and do ayahuasca and Vilca and Wachum and all this stuff, and I thought sitting in the jungle, I'm like, this is so amazing. And I hadn't done it yet. And I'm like, maybe this is my maybe I'm supposed to be a shaman. You know, <laughs> so, you know, as we all do, like the ego kind of thing. <laughs> and I drank the first time I was like, absolutely, 100 percent. Fuck that. Like, I can't. I, there's no way I'm you know, this is a shaman. You've got to drink that sort of stuff a lot. you got to get to a point where I'm like, there's no way. I mean, most of these shamans have drunk, you know, more than a thousand times easily. Are they on? Are they on it while they're doing the ceremony? Or some, no? some are. It depends on their tradition. Like the Quechua shamans I, I drank with, they drank um, a different plant called camalonga, and camalonga enables them to be sort of half in the spirit world and half out, and it enables them to see, supposedly, what's going on with you in that spirit world, so that they can interfere or intervene if they need to. Um, but I have drunk with a mestizo shaman who uh, is amazing. I was actually just telling you about him that I had the toad experience with, and he um, he drinks with you, and uh, he's just unbelievable, really uh, an unbelievable shaman. So it just you know it de- it just depends you know where you are. They're and, blasted uh, with you. <laughs> sometimes sometimes, it, but the, the amazing thing was like uh, because you know they sing and they do all this other stuff during the during the ceremonies, and I was used to the Quechua shamans. Uh, they were three of them and they would sing the Icaros for you know 10 15 minutes and then they'd stop for five minutes and then they'd start a new one and stop for five or ten minutes start a new one and you know through like a four or five hours uh when i drank with Weira, he sang the whole time he never stopped five or six hours he was singing he had the the leaf bundle that he was keeping rhythm with in one hand and uh, i forget the name for it and he had uh, like a rattle in the other and he would be keeping perfect rhythm with those while singing. And then we he would sing the clean his 
purging songs, his cleaning Icaros, and he would be purging with us, and he wouldn't lose the rhythm. He'd be like singing, and then he'd be like <laughs> like this, and the you know the rattle's still going, and the leaf's still going, and um, you know there was a point where I had to get up and and find the bathroom and and leave, and then I'm trying to find my way back, and he's still singing. He comes over, he's got his arm around me, leads me over to where I'm supposed to lay down, lays me down, never stops singing. The leaf bundle never stops, the rattle never sleeps. The guy's amazing, really amazing. Wow, dude. You fucked me up with that story of you seeing yourself die, man. That's look, I that was a really that was an extremely <sighs> difficult night. It was probably one of the most difficult things I've I've ever experienced, and it really started because that was the night too. Like everybody fears the you know the purge from both ends simultaneously. Yeah. And and at that place they have, uh, you know, the maloka sort of in the middle, and they built the rooms around the maloka where you, where you have the experience. And ayahuasca is always done at night. And uh, the way they have it set up is they have helpers there that stay outside the maloka, and you're not really supposed to make any noise. Like the shaman, you can, but the shaman's like, you know, if you think you have to make noise, remember that you don't really have to, and that other people are really deep in their meditative state, and if you're making a lot of noise, it can pull them out. A lot of places aren't like that. They're like, make whatever noise you want, and it's like a it's a madhouse. But <laughs> you know, this place is they they kind of encourage you to to sort of stay quiet. But one thing you're allowed to say is banyo. Like if you need to go mm. to the bathroom, they know you're disoriented and you're going to have a really hard time finding your way to your room. So they have these helpers. They have little tiny little flashlights. You say banyo, they come find you and they take you to your room and they wait for you and then they bring you back. And so that night I drank and it came on really fast and it also was going through me really fast. And I knew like I don't even have time to say banyo because if I wait for that person to come find me like i ain't making it to my room you're shitting, you're shitting yeah. your pants yeah there's no way <laughs> so i just sort of got up and um found my room which is a lot harder than it sounds sometimes and um and i was on my way back from uh i actually did get back to the maloka um and i had this experience with a huge i was I got up to go to the bathroom again, and I was on the pathway, which are like above the jungle. They're like these wooden pathways that are like 12 feet above the jungle floor. And it's a bit like the Ewok village, you know? So I'm, I'm like on this path, and I come around a corner, and there is a giant uh, black anaconda snake. Like the head is like bigger than a football, and it's got these glowing yellow-green eyes, and it's looking at me, and it stopped, and I stopped, and its head's like three feet off the ground, you know? And, um, and for some reason I thought, right, if I just stamp my foot, it's going to like, you know, slither away. It'll be like, Oh, Whoa, and it'll bail. So I stamped my foot. As soon as I did that, it started moving towards me at a really high speed. And like, I froze, like I didn't know what to do. And then like, there was this weird sound and somebody had dropped a water bottle and I wasn't in, I, I was in the Maloka. I was still lying, you know, on, on the bed in the Maloka, like that hadn't actually happened. What? And then I was like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. So I, I got up and um, and that's when I had, you know, I got to the, you know, I spent that night seeing my death across 40 lifetimes anchored to the toilet. And I was about uh, an inch or two too small to like vomit into the sink without leaving the toilet. So it was a real tricky night. Um, oh and these God. are the things like that when people ask, you know, uh, my requirements for somewhere to do ayahuasca is somewhere where I have my own bathroom because I don't need, I don't want to be waiting for somebody, but if I have that, I'm totally okay. I don't really have any other, I really have any other request. Yeah. But so that was the night. And I think I was telling you, like all of my ancestors were there with me 
And I'm like, guys, I am in the bathroom. And they're like, you know, they're all there, like going through this experience with me. And I'm like, it's really great. And I'm glad you're here, but I'm in the bathroom. And it was That's... really rough. And I, I, there were a couple of times I tried to get back to the Maloka and they'd start like the Icaros and I'd be like, oh, and then like, I'd something like I had no strength in my body. I think I might've dragged myself back into my room with my lips at one point. I don't know how I did it, <laughs> but it was really intense. And, uh, and I, but I value all of those experiences. Uh, I learned something from every single one of those experiences, And I definitely feel like I'm becoming a better person out of it somehow. Jesus, so, Luke, that's. That's so intense. I can't even like begin to comprehend that. That's uh, that's some shit. Well, you know, the the other thing that some some places will give you out there is something called Vilka, or sometimes it's called Wilka or Huilka, uh, depending on how they 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 spell it. And it's actually made from the seed of an acacia, no, not an acacia tree, a mimosa tree. And uh, they take the seed and they toast it, and they um. They grind it up and they mix it with lime or ash, something to, to make a really fine powder. And then you, you you snort it. And this place, uh, you snort it through the finger bone of like a, a 300-year-old <laughs> finger bone of a, a monk that came from Chavin Temple. I mean, it's just, you know, you know what I mean? Holy cow. And I, I think I might have told you this last time. But yeah, we were, we're sitting on, in, on the air. <laughs> yeah, we were sitting in the Masa, in the Maloka, and they've got the Masada set up, which is like this T-shaped altar with uh, all this hanging stuff behind it. There's all these skulls all over the altar and these you know, powerful uh, rocks and objects. And you do this sort of walking meditation around. The, the Wachimero guides you through this walking meditation. Uh, meditation as you walk around the massage now you're you're at this point you're like 14 hours into an intense wachuma experience because and that stuff is brutal too it just lasts forever that's that's that form of ayahuasca with all the five different types no, of no wachuma is san pedro cactus oh okay so it's san pedro cactus with uh with whatever additives you know they put in there because it lasts with the san pedro cactus i've had prior to that lasts about eight hours this was like never shorter than 18 hours eight 18 hours 18 hours and, and it's um, similar to ayahuasca no it's they do it in the daytime and it's a much more of a physically they encourage you to move around and get everything flowing go out and interact and they take you to to meet tribes and interact what? with people in the jungle while and, you're blasted <laughs> yeah and it's very different because it doesn't it doesn't uh you know expand your consciousness to the point where you're uh, where you're having trouble distinguishing stuff. So you're still, you can still, yeah, you have more control over your body, but it's a much more intense sort of physical uh, feel. Like there's one guy who just wanted to like go and catch a goat and eat it. <laughs> you know, it's like wrestle the goat to the ground. And he had like these almost like werewolf like feet. And I, didn't appreciate it at all because I was in this sort of space where like I really wanted stillness. I was going in. I was still in that ayahuasca space where I concentrate in and I don't I don't move. Like I just sit in one position for five or six hours or as close as I you know, and like my breathing is as small and still as pot. Like for whatever reason, that's how I feel. I I go in, and I you know I still had that need with the wachuma. I wanted to sit. I wanted to be really quiet. I wanted to focus. I wanted to go in and like, no, they're like pushing you. But so we, <laughs> one of the things we did was go see these, you know, go meet like three different tribes and hang out with them. And I was, 
like I said, the, the shaman was having a hard time. He'd been in a motorcycle accident and he was physically struggling. And so I was sort of walking with him to make sure if he needed something. And I just sort of, it occurred to me, I said, I said to him, I said, Don, Don I did, did the tribes people know, you know, that we're on Wachuma? He said, oh no, no, they just know that we're really different. And I'm like, well, I'm like, yes, I mean, I see that. But like, how how else are we different? He goes, well, most people, if they come out this far, they'll come to meet the tribe. You know, they'll buy a few trinkets. They'll be here like five to 10 minutes and they're gone. He's like, we show up. You know, we talk to everybody for a little bit. Then we don't we don't really say much. And we just kind of wander around and we just sit and touch stuff. And he's like, you know, they know we're different, but they don't know why. Like, yeah. And these are, are these tribes that are like they don't have any technology at all or like are they are they a little bit civilized it some of them it depends on how they want to be some of them live very rudimentary uh you know um huts you know yurts malokas uh it's and live in the, the you know they fish the river and they they do all that stuff and but some of them also you know interact in the world some of them have jobs to create income to bring back to the tribe as well. And some of them leave and don't come back. And some of them leave for a little while and, you know, sort of do like a half life. Yeah. So there's, you know, it's just, it's really kind of, kind of up to them. Some of them are a lot more isolated and traditional than others. That's um, incredible. But the Vilka is, you know, it's, that's the one that has the five or it's the three different kinds of DMT and it has uh, the five MEO, the NN DMT and also has the five HO DMT. That's what you snorted. That's what you snort. And this is, it's like, like Iboga, uh, you know, what the shaman tell you is this, this is used as the bridge between life and death. And he said, look, you, you know, you may see relatives that have passed or people, you know, that you know that have passed and blah, blah, blah. And he sort of prepared me. So you, you're sitting, it's dark. You're like 14 hours into this Wachuma experience, uh, the last Wachuma experience. And you're sitting around this Masada with all these skulls and objects <laughs> and, and the cherry on top <laughs> and you know the monk finger bone and this pile of powder and uh and a shaman and he, he would lay it on a little bit you know he'd be like this is you know the bridge between life and death and he said i'm not gonna lie to you sometimes people don't come back so he just sort of like drop that on the group as you're sitting there and then he said no so you know like who wants to go first and i'm like <laughs> me like I just left up there because I like there's no way I'm gonna sweat over not coming back watching like 20 other people like go first like if I don't go now. Yeah, yeah. That way so, you don't know nobody else came back. Yeah, <laughs> and I I had never snorted anything else in my life. I'm not into any of the. I'm Hard not into drug. the. Yeah, I'm I'm into the plant medicine, the psychedelic stuff. That's it. I'm not interested in anything else. But so I'd never snorted anything in there. You're supposed to take uh, two full like you know, pulls, finger, whatever, whatever. yeah, three <laughs> finger loads, like in each nostril. And I'm like, I was so sketched by it. I was like, I'm just going to do one. And then, uh, I think one of them didn't, you know, I didn't get the full amount in one nostril anyway, but I wasn't too, I wasn't really sweating it. And so I went back to my room and lay down cause it takes about 15 minutes to kick in. And, uh, just all of a sudden there was this really bright light and i thought the light in my bathroom had come on and it turned out actually there this light was was emanating from my chest and it was the first time like i'd seen this incredible really beautiful light that was inside me and i you know i realized that that you know we all have this beautiful light inside us but 
you know, I actually have it too. And I, I'm really hard on myself a lot. I've been hard on myself a lot. And like recognizing that was a huge, huge breakthrough for me. And, um, and suddenly I was in the cosmos and I was an embryo and I was just in the stars with all those beautiful multicolored gas clouds, you know, green and blue and pink and purple and all the stars and everything around. And, and then there was the spinning disc that appeared out of nowhere in front of me. And it was very Aztec or maybe Mayan looking. It had a design on it that I can't quite remember. And through the design, there were these serpents of light, multicolored light that were sort of slithering or swimming through the design, lighting the design up like as they went through it. And I realized I was supposed to step on to that platform. And so I stepped onto the platform and I was in a room. It had a black and white checkered floor and a table and a bunch of chairs. And these chairs were like alcove chairs, like they have a side and a top. So you could like sit back in them and be either in the shadow or not be seen. Um, and there were people in these chairs and in the room and they were elders they were aztec or mayan they were indigenous elders and they all stopped what they were doing and looked at me <laughs> and i looked at them and uh and then like my foot dropped to the side and like i took a breath and i was back in my body like on my bed and i i wish now that i'd done like the two full you know nostrils uh for that experience but it, it is what it is and and the really it was a it was a good experience um, but, uh, last, the end of last year, when, uh, that Wachimero died, uh, he, his, the guy who took over told him of, told everybody one of Don Howard's last, um, experiences with Vilka that he had talked about. That's and the he, shaman that died. The right? shaman that died. And he described his Vilka experience where he went into this room and this guy, described the room that I had been in perfectly. Like I recognized that room. And he said, and all the elders were there and they had made this great glittering robe of many colors. And they told him, ah, you know, your robe is almost ready. And that was like his last Vilka experience. And what blew me away was he described that room and I had been in that room. I, I, you know, I don't know how you make this stuff like people. It's the imagination drug. I don't know how you make it up. I don't yeah. know how, how I don't know how you get different people to imagine dif radically different people to imagine exactly the same surroundings or being. I don't I, I have no answer for that. That's so incredible. Uh, Luke, dude, I could talk to you for hours about this. And um, I'm so glad that I got to record all of this because these stories man these experiences that you've had again that's you know not saying that i'm gonna snort something out of a monk's oh, dead monk's finger but you know it's like it makes you think like you said like you saw that room he saw that room uh it just really makes you think are you know is this is there more to what we see than you know is there more to than what we can see because you, you know the, the the eyes can only see 0.003 of the or 0 0.0025 of the light spectrum. You know, imagine all these things that we can't see. This thing, same these with things what going on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. The same things thing occupying the same space as you are right now. Mm -hmm. and you're just not aware of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the, the, like we we're talking about the nebulas. That's why I always post a quote. You know, with the backdrop of a nebula or something like that, because I I find that so fascinating. And uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I think we can wrap it up with that, Luke, dude. Sure. We can, man. Don't worry, man. You know, if you ever find yourself uh, stuck for a guest sometime and I'm around, (laughs) just, you know, hit me up because I didn't, we didn't even really get into like, uh, you know, toad and reactivations and things like, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about, about. Yes. And and I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, I was telling you at the beginning that, I'm, I'm, I'm almost have the fiance convinced, you know, um, she, so we turned it from what I didn't say was, you know, I told her about getting married there. She was like, well, maybe we don't have to get married there, but we can go, mm-hmm. you know, as a trip. So I was like, fuck yeah. You know, I'll, I'll still take that. So it's like you said, you know, if, if we do go, you know, we could do like a, like a episode over there, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we could, e- we could even do like, if you wanted, we could do like an, some kind of Egyptian pre-marriage ceremony. Or something so that you yeah know, you can have something to celebrate what you're gonna do when you come back or or how yeah so. yeah that'd be dope but um one more time for the people luke <clears throat> i know i enjoy the fuck out of these conversations and i love i, 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 I love i, I, I very rarely get to have these conversations so it's it's nice uh, plug in your info so people can uh, look at this is going to be the and i'm going to split this up into two parts this is going to be the end of the second part so the first part we're going to do it you know right. egyptian uh stories uh you know breaking down these egyptian sites that we talked about in yeah, the one second. day we're gonna have to get to south america because there's and central america because there's a lot of <laughs> interesting stuff there too we never even really got into that stuff so. we can uh, we can do that in a couple of weeks next oh, week whatever. i was gonna tell you about the red chapel too we didn't get to do that oh, there's so much stuff so many you things. know what just see see if people actually like it and then if if they like it you know we come back do more yeah for sure i mean i love it i don't go fuck what the people think <laughs> <laughs> right on. so uh Plug in your information one more time. Uh, sure. Luke, so we can uh, find you. You know, you're not going to really find too much plant medicine stuff. It's mostly the, the archaeology stuff, but it's um, Enigmas of the Ancient Dot World is my website that has my tour information and uh, other stuff there and videos that I've done, links to it. Uh, so you can get a link to my YouTube account, which is uh, Enigmas of the Ancient World. And uh, you might have to kind of poke around on YouTube. It's a bit weird. And then uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, enigmas underscore of underscore the underscore ancient underscore world and um yeah i've got a facebook page enigmas of the ancient world uh, it's you can find me if you really want to and actually if you go to enigmas of the ancient dot world there's a link there to my instagram and facebook page so maybe that's a good you know, i have always the links to that in the description of the episode as well but i want to thank you for coming on today uh luke thanks and for having me you- We'll probably chat a little bit here after this. But thank you, Luke. Sure. Anytime, man. Oof. Well, there you have it. That got pretty deep, and he just blew my mind with some of those stories. But make sure to check out his work on YouTube and his website. Also, make sure to follow us on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast. Shoot me an email if you want to be on the show, if you have anything interesting to talk about. uh, The Juan Juan Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for the support. And until next time.
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.